From the Ohio School Boards Association, I'm Scott Kerfin. This is Leading the Way, brought to you by Sedgwick. Navigating the world of special education, which is of great importance for children with disabilities. Special education allows every student to reach their full potential. OSBA staff attorney John Price knows much about special education, having experience in that area. And John, I wanted to bring you on to focus an episode on special education. First of all, what is it? How does it work? Well, first of all, Scott, thank you so much for having me back on the podcast. Um, uh, This is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, In the most basic terms, special education is specialized instruction for students with disabilities who attend public school. Um, Special ed can encompass a wide range of possible um, instruction, accommodations, or modifications of the curriculum, which are basically designed um, to help students with disabilities achieve in the classroom, um, help them access the curriculum that is being taught to all students, and also work on specific goals that are individualized to that child. Um, One of the key features of special ed is that it's individualized to each student. So it is kind of the opposite of what we would call one size fits all. what this, real, what this means in practice is what you provide to one student um, may not be what you provide to another student who, even the, if those two students on the surface may look like they have similar needs. But that is the very nature of special education is, um, is individualization to make sure that you're meeting that child where he or she is. So I know we're going to hear a lot of acronyms today, uh, especially when it comes to the key laws that govern special ed, right? Oh yes. So um, we all we in the in the community um, refer to special ed's um, alphabet soup quite a bit. Um, the main law that kind of governs special education, um, and it's probably the one that most listeners are fam- familiar with, is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, and that's a federal law that provides certain guarantees to eligible students with disabilities for services in school. The IDEA kind of has two main guarantees to students. The first is a free appropriate public education. So that is the baseline minimum standard for um, the amount of progress that a student needs to needs to be meeting in order to be receiving appropriate services. Kind of the twin component to um, free, the free appropriate public education, or FAPE as we call it, is the LRE, or the Least Restrictive Environment Requirement, which also guarantees that students with disabilities are to be educated alongside their non-disabled peers to the maximum extent appropriate. So anytime um, you're dealing with a student who is eligible for services under IDEA, um, they're going to receive an IEP or an individualized education program, and um, that IEP needs to um, deter- needs to dictate what services the child is receiving in order to, to ensure that they're receiving a free public education in their least restrictive environment. There are also some other laws um, that um, actually there are a lot but I'm going to talk about just a couple um, that um, also potentially impact students with disabilities and that's section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act um, and the Americans with Disabilities Act or ADA. I know again a lot of your listeners are going to be familiar with the term 504. Um, Section 504 is another federal law um, that uh, is designed to um, ensure that students with disabilities are on a level playing field with um, their non-disabled peers. Um, 504 and ADA are distinct from IDEA in their eligibility criteria, so there are going to be significantly more students who are protected by those two laws that may not be 
IDEA eligible. So that's something to be on the lookout for. Um, but ultimately, um, a lot of the a lot of the requirements for both of the laws are similar. Um, but the orientation of 504 and ADA is a little bit different from um, IDEA in that they are non-discrimination, civil rights type statutes that really seek to ensure um, a level playing field and access to the curriculum. Whereas I look at IDEA as more of an entitlement statute, you know, similar to Social Security or Medicaid that provides certain guarantees to students and then funding from the federal government in order to back up those guarantees. Um, so, so that's different than what you get with 504 or ADA. You mentioned individualized education program or the IEP. Uh, what goes into one of those? So yeah, if you know anything about special education, you've probably heard the term IEP. So an IEP is a formal document that must be in place for every student who is eligible for services under the IDEA. And what the ID, what the IEP is um, at its most basic level is a contract between the school district and the student and the student's parent as to what services are going to be provided to the child. So uh, there are a lot of formal requirements for what has to be in the IEP, but basically what it must consist of is a statement that dis that um, discusses what the child's educational needs are first and foremost, and that's gonna be derived from the evaluation um, that the school district has done for the child. And that, that evaluation is gonna identify areas of educational need for the student. So the IEP is going to identify what those areas of needs are, um, be it something like reading comprehension, math computation, even behavior. Um, and it's gonna have measurable annual goals for each of those identified areas of need. So the goal is going to, um, is going to state where we want to see this child um, in one year um, on a specific area of need. Um, and then the IEP is also going to um, identify and specify what services the district is going to provide in order to enable the child to meet those goals. So if it's, again, going back, if it's reading comprehension, then um, the IEP is probably going to identify some sort of um, reading services from an intervention specialist or special education teacher um, that, are, that is going to enable the child to get um, to, to meet the measurable annual goal. Um, the IEP is also going to identify any related services um, that the child needs. So related services are things like speech therapy, um, occupational therapy, physical therapy. These are kind of um, services that are not provided by um, teachers um, that are critical for helping the student meet um, or be able to access the curriculum. So if a student is um, needs any of those services in order to access the curriculum, the IEP is also going to document those services, the goals that they're going to be working on, and how often and, and who's going to provide the services. Lastly, the IEP should identify where the child is going to receive services. Um, I talked about LRE a little bit earlier, but it's going to um, there should be a d discussion about um, how, where is the child going to receive services? Is it gonna be in the general education classroom, um, in a resource room within the school, a self-contained classroom, whatever the IEP team decides it needs to be noted there. Um, and speaking of IEP teams, that's kind of the other important component of the IEP is it's written by, an I, by what we call an IEP team. So an IEP team is a group of um, professionals who, um, are, who are educated about the child and um, are gonna discuss and determine what services the child needs. Um, the IEP team has um, 
members that are specified by law. So it's always going to um, include the child's parent. It's going to include um, a special education teacher or intervention specialist. Um, it will include a, a general education teacher if the child could or um, is or could be receiving services in a general education classroom. And it's always going to include a district representative or someone who um, someone who can commit resources on behalf of the district. But it also can include other members as appropriate determined by the other IEP team members. So uh, with everything you've just talked about, uh, introduced us to, uh, I'm sure there are issues that schools can run into when it comes to special education. What can districts do uh, to stay in compliance? Right. So special education is one of the most highly regulated and highly litigated areas of education law. So um, the first and most important thing to do, um, at the risk of sounding too obvious, is provide high quality special ed services to the students in your district. Um, it's it's really. It, <laughs> It's really important to you know to be engaging with parents and to be um, to be sensitive about you know what you're seeing as far as what the child's needs are, making sure that staff are trained and know how to identify potential deficits, and that staff are really really um, following those IEPs and making sure that they're providing high quality services. So that's obviously the most important thing. If you're providing high quality services, you're less likely to run into issues with parents or with the State Department of Education. Um, second, um, it's important to have IEP teams engaging and discussing these issues with parents early on. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, you know, issues that could have been resolved really early if there had just been some plain and direct communication between a parent and an IEP team um, that, you know, went far in the in the direction of litigation or complaints, whereas if the district uh, and the parent had just communicated early, that could have been avoided. So really just making sure you're involving those parents um, in the process is going to get is going to go a long way into helping, you know, nip potential problems in the bud. Um, third, you know, this I there are a lot of districts that trip up over this, but it's just it's following the formalities. Special ed has a lot of forms, a lot of, you know, very specific deadlines and things that need to be done in a very specific way at a specific time. So just making sure that you're, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, that's going to save um, the district a lot of um, headaches um, on compliance issues moving forward because, you know, that's, that's something that's easy to mess up, and unfortunately that does happen. Um, so just have some processes in place, you know, to make sure that you're you're meeting deadlines and that you're very at the very least meeting those formalities. And last, I mean, I think it's really important to involve legal counsel early on. Um, Ohio has a lot of great, um, you know, school attorneys that do that provide high quality special education legal services. Don't wait till you're in the middle of litigation to involve them. If you're seeing a potential problem on the horizon, and in many cases you're going to know um, before it gets to the area of litigation, if if there's a particular family that's unhappy, or if you see something that has gone that you know might go um, might go in that direction, get those legal get that legal counsel involved early. They can help you you know save um, a lot of those headaches moving forward. John, finally, uh, school board members. Obviously, they're not involved in the day-to-day -day operations, uh, but what should they know about special ed? Well, that's a great question. I think a first great step is listening to um, podcasts like these and just consulting resources um, just to get an idea about what it is. I mean, like you said, 
board members should not expect to have any sort of day-to-day -day role in these decisions. I mean, special ed is a highly um, specialized area. Um, districts throughout Ohio have, you know, very highly trained and, and um, specialized staff who um, are do who are handling these issues, and board members should generally trust them to do what they need to do. But there are things that board members can do. Um, I think th I think the most important thing is to just um, you know, set an expectation and a tone um, that you and your district are going to provide high quality services to students with disabilities. If you can make that commitment from the top and it can kind of permeate, permeate the culture of the district, um, that's going to go a long way. I mean, a special, a special ed is a lot about attitude um, and, you know, just, you know, keeping people engaged in the process, even when it might be tough, um, that's going to go a long way. And a board member can go a long way into setting that leadership standard. Um, some other things that they, that you can do as a board member is to make sure you're recruiting and retaining um, high quality staff to provide these services. You know, the recruit recruitment and retaining staff is really challenging in the current environment but doing everything you can to make sure that you're you know that you're bringing those good people in and keeping them um, who are going to provide these services is going to go a long way um, and then lastly I would just say to board members um, that it's very possible that you might hear you know pretty emotional complaints from parents about special education issues whether in a formal or in informal setting you know, they may come up to you in the grocery store and, you know, start telling you about, you know, what is going on with their child in school. And I would encourage all school leaders to be empathetic to that um, because, you know, these are these are parents who care about their kids. We may not agree with what they're saying, but, you know, in many, many cases, what they're saying is coming from a good place. But also keep in mind that just because you're receiving a, a complaint doesn't mean that um, the district has done something wrong. Um, you know, it's important to refer those parents, you know, to the typical channels through the IEP team and for you as a board member just to trust your staff to provide those, those high quality services because that's why they're there. John, thanks again uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, I know you and the rest of the legal team uh, have the OSBA legal hotline. So if anybody has any questions, I'm sure they can reach you there. Yes, we certainly encourage it. 855-OSBA-LAW. Um, if you have questions about special ed, we'd be happy to answer them to the extent that we can. John, thanks again for uh, coming on the podcast. Thank you, Scott. There are many reasons to attend the OSBA Capital Conference and Trade Show. World-class speakers, top experts leading more than 150 learning sessions covering the latest education issues, the Student Achievement Fair featuring innovative school programs, one of the nation's largest education trade shows, and countless opportunities to network and share ideas with your peers from all over the state. Be a part of the OSBA Capital Conference, November 13th through the 15th. Learn more and register at conference.ohioschoolboards.org.